Welcome to Connect, the weekly podcast of the California MBA, featuring one-on-one -on -one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. I'm Susan Malazzo, CEO of the California MBA, and I'm very happy that you could join us today. Uh, before I welcome today's guest, I'd like to thank our 2024 President's Council sponsors. These are a handful of companies that provide a tremendous amount of financial support for the California MBA, in large part so that we can continue to be the strong advocacy voice that we have for so many years been in Sacramento, representing the real estate finance industry. So please help me in thanking this year's President's Council sponsors, and those companies include Amerihome, CMG Financial, Consolidated Analytics, Funding Shield, Guild Mortgage, and Western Alliance Bank. Thank you all so much for your support this year. We greatly appreciate that. Uh, and that brings me to welcoming today's guests. I'm very happy to welcome Amit Tiagi with Gantry. Amit, welcome. Thank you, Susan. Happy to be here. And thank you to the CMBA for, uh, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'd love to... Uh, to get right into it, um, this year we have big news for you. Uh, you were promoted to a principal at Gantry, which is uh, extremely exciting. Uh, what does uh, what does this new chapter in your career mean to you? Yeah, well, it's it is it's very exciting. Uh, it's uh, it's something I've been working towards for a while, and it's uh, it's it's really exciting that uh, the opportunity is now here, and it's very real. So, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting it's been an interesting growth starting off as an analyst and then jumping into production and you kind of start these new roles and are figuring it out as you go and and through the through the organization and the mentorship and just the time and the the reps that you get uh i feel like there's a, a new role here and while my day-to-day -day doesn't change much i feel like the biggest shift has been in my mindset and now you know we have uh as as a partnership we have approximately 100 employees and now it's more than just building a book of business to kind of help myself move forward within the company. Now I feel like I want to do right by every single one of those employees. I want to do right by the partnership. I want to continue growing within the industry uh, personally, professionally, and uh, and see where we can grow this firm and, and kind of help continue to shape the industry. Yeah, that's a very exciting. Congratulations. Um, someone from your firm has been on our in our leadership uh, for decades. And so I'm very close to the company and uh, congratulations. That's very exciting for you. Uh, you. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the mortgage business in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's funny. It's almost a reflection of the real estate industry, in my opinion, where I believe it's very relationship oriented. It's all it's about the right people being in the right places and and connecting people. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be introduced to Gantry uh, a little over 12 years ago, actually, from a fraternity brother of mine who told me about an opening here in the L.A. office. And it was a very organic uh, type of intro. He was at the time working in our Seattle office, and and then fast forward 12 or so years, and and here we are. And so it's uh it was a very um while, and so while I've been around real estate my entire life, I've I uh, I grew up around real estate. My dad was a civil engineer before he retired. I uh, had an interest in finance and numbers as I was going through school, and. Uh, 
when I graduated, real estate was sort of a thought, but I was trying not to do what my dad did. So I was focused on the finance elements. I got into wealth management, realized that wasn't for me. And then being introduced to mortgage banking allowed me to uh, tap my real estate roots through my family, but also be able to use the numbers and the quantitative elements that I enjoyed. And so it really was a nice niche for me that I really enjoy. And so there's enough relationship uh, there's enough relationship oriented uh, aspects to the business and there's a quantitative element to it that uh, for me is just, it's the right fit. That's fantastic. Congratulations again. Great, uh, great to see you at the next uh, next step in your career and uh, with, again, a great company. Big fan Thank of the entries. So we're, uh, we're at the beginning of 2024, uh, you know, coming off a very difficult year for the real estate finance market. Uh, what uh, asset classes do you see faring better than others uh, in the next 12 months? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I believe that if we look back maybe six or seven years, there were certain asset classes that returns were almost being financially engineered to wherever rates were at that time. So, for example, if you look at the return on cost for new developments for multifamily, they were call it a 200 basis point spread over whatever interest rates were at that time. So if the rates were 3%, people were solving to a 5% return. Uh, I worry about the asset classes where that type of financial engineering was uh, going on for the ha last handful of, uh, excuse me, last handful of years. And it, I think in today's world with interest rates so much higher than what those return profiles are, it puts a lot of pressure on the next step for those assets, where, wherever they are in the business uh, plan. If they are needing a, whether it's a refinance or a sale or whatever it may be, I think the uh, stressed assumptions that were put in place back then, uh, we may have exceeded those stress case scenarios and there could be some, some more pain there. I look at uh, asset classes like self-storage, for example, where mm -hmm. return on costs were not engineered to rates at the time. Uh, they were maintaining kind of 7% plus type of yields and in certain cases even higher. So there was room to absorb this uh, friction in the marketplace and uh, not see values drop tremendously or at least push you below break-even levels against your debt. And so I believe that self-storage uh, is a, a good example of an asset class that uh, held to some underwriting standards uh, in the last few years that were higher than others that will prove itself uh, to not have as much stress coming. I believe that uh, multifamily, if there were shorter term business plans that were undertaken in the last three or four years, could see some stress coming out of there. We're seeing examples now of uh, particularly bridge type of deals that are needing to now get refinanced either earlier than expected because an interest reserve might have run dry with rates running so quickly. Uh, and then there's a need for preferred equity or mezzanine positions to come in to kind of help get the first trustee uh, bridge loan out. So there are examples that we're starting to see that are coming through the door where we're seeing the stress of those shorter term business plans get interrupted by the higher rates. Uh, I think industrial is one that will uh, while it was somewhat financially engineered, it wasn't, I don't think it was as much as the multifamily sector. And I think there's still tremendous demand for 
for both of those asset classes, just can we handle the the higher interest rates is the big question. I really like personally the look and feel of some of, I, I mentioned self-storage, uh, manufactured housing, mobile home parks. A lot of these alternatives are proving to be uh, asset classes where the numbers seem to pencil better than a lot of others. And we've seen uh, a big boost in hospitality as well. These last couple of years, there's been a big run up and I think there, uh, there's some runway there as well. So there's some health in those asset classes. Uh, I think retail is one that will continue to get better and better in these next couple of years. There, it was probably the asset class with the most concern as we stepped into the pandemic. And I think it has come out of it well ahead of office, which is facing kind of an, a more almost existential crisis in the shorter midterm. And uh, and so that's, I think retail is well uh, situated. Office will need to settle back into its own shoes a little bit. And how that looks and feels, I'm not necessarily sure. I do think it'll take some years to figure out and it will need, uh, it will need some liquidity. I think there's a lack of equity and debt that are interested in that asset class right now. So I think as it reforms itself into whatever its new shape will be in a few years, as those players start coming back onto the playing field and liquidity is available for the asset class, it will improve. But uh, a lot of question marks around timing and what it looks like in the future. Very interesting to hear people uh, um, so positive on retail. It's like with COVID, I, you know, from a layman's stamp, you know, perspective, I thought, gosh, are, are is retail just going to go away? I mean, are we all going to shop online forever? And it's just that's not that's not proving to be the case. People, we want to we want to touch that product and and get out there and and uh, and buy it the way we always did. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I actually had very similar concerns. I was like, oh no, now I have to do everything on Amazon. But right. the reality is, I think uh, the pandemic, I almost think of it like a slingshot where we were pulled so deep into staying at home and a lot of the, uh, a lot of our lives were changed and we almost went into hermit mode. And then when retail and, and as the pandemic passed and we've kind of stepped to where we are now, I think we are looking for experiences where we can go out and be around people, try new foods and, and experience new new ways to acquire goods and things along those lines. And so I think experiential retail in particular has a lot of room looking forward as we uh, all get tired of clicking away on our phones. I think we look for other interactions and retail is the avenue where we can get that. Yeah, I agree. We were we tired of our virtual lives. We want real lives back. <laughs> So what uh, what makes uh, what makes Gantry unique in the industry? Great question. So I believe it's our platform and our people. And if I start with the platform, our platform is uniquely situated uh, in the sense that we have a very large access to the insurance company world. We service a lot of the loans that we originate in that space. And that particular avenue in today's world has been an avenue of stability in the marketplace. Uh, the banking turmoil that existed last year and some of the stress in that avenue continues today. There's regulatory pressure on the banks and the banks are still figuring out how to organize their balance sheets in a way to move forward and step back into the lending universe. CMBS, while it exists today, it's a, it's, it looks and feels a lot different than it did in the past. It's, it's more expensive than it was before. Spreads are higher. And while spreads are higher across the industry, I think they're elevated a little bit more in CMBS than some other avenues. So our deep insurance company roster has been uh, 
an avenue of stability that we've relied on. It's allowed us to continue doing loans through this last year, through all the volatility. And where I personally have seen a lot of success and growth in my career, getting to where I am now, the insurance companies are really good at what I like to call more structured type of finance. So if we're looking at the more traditional buckets of lending, whether it's construction loans, bridge loans, or permanent loans, a lot of deals have a look or feel that falls somewhere right in between those buckets. And so if you're having to sacrifice and just go into the construction bucket or bridge bucket, while you might have a permanent element to your deal, whether it's an expansion where there's a cash flowing uh, portion of your site, and then there's a, an expansion to be had, we've been able to put in place some unique structures that have been hybrids of these uh, more traditional buckets that have proven to be very valuable for our clients. And I think these are uh, it speaks to our platform. It speaks to the strength of our relationships with these lenders, being able to go in and cut these deals, negotiate them, craft these solutions for our sponsors. And it's proven very valuable for our sponsors as well as these are uh, solutions that are really tailored to their properties and their business plans. And uh, and I think it's led to a lot of success over the years for myself and, and for the firm and hopefully for our clients as well. So it's that's uh, the platform side of it. And then I believe that the people here at Gantry have been uh, uh, critical to to my success. I, uh, whether it's starting from the analyst pool, we have incredible analysts. They they work hard. They understand our business. They like our platform, and they've been great support for us as they continue to grow. We look forward to seeing them grow within the company uh, as much as possible. But then the senior leadership at the firm and the the way they approach the business, it's. It's, it's something that's very unique. In and in a brokerage type of role, it's very easy to feel like you're in competition with the person sitting next to you. And I've never once felt that here at Gantry. Uh, we're extremely collaborative. I think it makes us better at what we do. We're able to talk deals freely. No one's locking their doors at night. And, and then the mentorship that I've received over the years from our senior leadership, I, I really honestly don't believe I would have been here without without all of that. So it's a, it's all encompassed to be just a, a really, it's a place that's been hard for me to consider ever leaving. And so I think it's uh, the, 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 new, the new role here is something I've been excited for for a really long time. And it's a culmination of all those things getting to this point. People and platform, I love it. This is a good, great combination for Gantry. And I'm sure that they are happy to hear you say that you can never imagine leaving and um, being a continuing to be a big part of a big part of the company's success when going forward. <laughs> so one of the things, you know, I've, I've been in this role for quite a while, and uh, one of the things the real estate finance industry has always been looking to do is increase diversity. So how how is Gantry attracting young or diverse uh, mortgage professionals into the industry? Very good question. Yeah, it is It is very much a an emphasis internally. And there's, it, while we have, while we have processes in place to make sure we are identifying weakness in that category, we always try to improve. For example, if we're hiring and we're noticing that the applicant pool is not diverse, we're, we're gonna try to figure out why and how can we better uh, diversify that pool or put ourselves out there in a way to receive uh, interest from a more diverse pool. And, and then it's, and then dovetailing off of that, um, 
Diversity is important as we approach hiring, but inclusion within the office is, in, is incredibly important. Everyone needs to feel safe. Everyone needs to feel welcome. Uh, a comfortable, happy office environment is what we strive for. And I think diversity and inclusion have to go hand in hand uh, from that capacity. And I think as our cities continue shaping and, and transforming, they're getting more diverse every day. I think real estate platforms, sponsorship groups, and owners uh, that are accepting of that reality will uh, will achieve and will have a lot more success in the coming decades than those who may be falling asleep at the wheel to that reality. And so I would love for our office here to be a true reflection of the cities that we're in. Uh, our LA office should look and feel like the city of Los Angeles. I think that's how we're going to be best situated to work with the best sponsors who are going to make the most meaningful impact on our communities. And I think that's a uh, all one big set of good that we can put forward and we are we are very aware of that if i think about our our analyst pool today here we have four analysts in la uh two of them are young women uh we have one of filipino descent one of mexican descent so we have a great mix of people and cultures and community and i think it's the uh it's one of the greatest office environments we uh we could have asked for so it's a uh, it's it's tried and true and we we live it and, and believe it. And I think it's something we look forward to uh, continuing. I think if we can put ourselves on the forefront of the diversity uh, movement looking forward, I think we're going to capture the best talent. I think we'll work with the best sponsors. I think there's a lot of growth moving forward if we can continue that effort. I think you're right. You know, making it a priority from a leadership standpoint, right? It's like, it's not just going to happen. It needs to be it needs to be part of your vision, part of your planning going forward. And um, I love to hear uh, the focus that Gantry puts on that. So important. I, I'm, again, of all the years that I've been doing this, I'm loving to see so much more diversity coming into our membership and the industry. So it's uh, that's fantastic. Gantry certainly setting a, uh, setting a good example for your colleagues in the industry. And you talked a little bit about uh, the partners at Gantry and how they've served as uh, mentors to you, but can you speak to kind of how mentors in general have uh, impacted your career at this point? It's, it's hard to quantify, but I can tell you, I truly believe I would not be here without the mentors that I've had, both internally here at Gantry and externally. Uh, the jump in particular within our company and within mortgage banking at some point is from an analyst or associate type of role jumping into production is is daunting to say the least i feel like it's like looking up at the face of a glacier and trying to figure out how to get to the top and so uh without the continued mentorship and support of the senior leadership within the firm <clears throat> excuse me i don't believe that i would be where I am today. The, they helped smooth that process. It also dovetails into the collaborative nature that we have here at Gantry. If I look around at the other producers in the office next to me, in the offices next to me, we're constantly working with each other on deals, on certain accounts. Uh, it's not protective of your own book in a way that it allows us to come together. And I feel like I have been uplifted through that part of the company's culture and there the numerous i have numerous numerous examples uh that of times where people have stood up for me had my back and you know heard me out when i'm having struggles and have been willing to talk about the good the bad and the ugly to help make sure 
I am in a place that I've wanted to be. And there's times where I've had doubt as a young producer. And uh, it was without the senior leadership there, it would be hard for me to remove that doubt myself. And so there's, uh, it's, and it's something I look forward to carrying forward as well. As I see the, the younger uh, analysts and producers within the firm, I feel like I've been uplifted so generously by the senior leadership that I look forward to helping uplift the, I'll call it the youth in the organization. Uh, that kind of leads me in my next question. What advice would you give someone just starting their career in this business? That's a very good question. Uh, I would say if you're just starting off and you're looking for an analyst or associate position, it's very important to do, I think, two things. I think it's one to make sure that the company that you are interviewing with or looking to join has a culture that fits your personality is, is very important. I think if there's incongruency, if you're someone who wants to work 100 hours a week, but your senior guys are only working 20 hours a week, there's going to be some friction over time uh, in a way that doesn't settle in. But I think if there's a match from a from a personality and a company culture perspective, I think that leads to a lot of growth potential uh, for an individual. And then secondly, I think it's really important for an analyst or an associate to uh, be in a place where they have a lot of deal flow. And the repetitions are extremely important. If you're young in the business and you're only looking at a handful of deals a year, you're only learning how to underwrite a handful of deals a year versus someone who is in a place where they're underwriting dozens and dozens each month, there's one person who will have a stronger resume for that next step, whatever it may be. And then the advice I'd give to someone who is, say, jumping into production is it takes some time. I would say I would uh, suggest that they probably have some money set aside to uh, to live off a smaller salary for a year or so and understand that you really are truly building your own business. And it can take three to five years to really see the fruit of your initial labor. And so it can be a, uh, it can it can test your ability to persevere sometimes. And it it's very rewarding when you do. We have a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but if you're taking a five-year type of approach to production, I think that's the, the right way to go about it. Otherwise, I think a young producer is selling themselves short. Great advice. Yeah, you definitely need to uh, to put the time in to uh, reap the rewards of a long, successful career in this business. Great That's advice. Right. I think if it happened uh, quickly, there would be way too many of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, I mean, thank you so much for being on Connect. It's been a pleasure. Susan, thank you. I'd like to thank the CMBA again for the time and uh, look forward to another one. Excellent. Excellent. And thanks to all of you for joining us today on Connect. To access any of our past episodes, you can follow us on our YouTube channel. We're also available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time on Connect. Here we go.